It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, February 8th into February and uh, looking ahead to an MLS season. Hey, how about that? We're going to talk about an MLS CBA that got approved today. Uh, a whole bunch of details in there, and if you're a player, maybe you want to avert your eyes and ears because it doesn't come out well for you. Um, going to talk a little bit about a kit release and some rumors that are around that. Also have a, uh, a, a rumor that has been scoring a lot of goals. Maybe some Zlatan talk, maybe some Pavone talk as well. Maybe even a little U.S. Open Cup. A lot to get to to help me do all of that is the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How you doing, Kev? Hey, that intro music is really eclectic. It's got a lot of stuff in there, a is lot it, of genres. It, it's, it, well, you know, we like to mix it up. We like to keep it fresh, as, as the kids say, I think, if the kids say that. I don't know if they say that anymore. Did I'm, you notice that there's a big bear behind you? Oh, there, there, there is. I don't know. I don't know if everybody needs to see it, but there, there is a bear behind me. I moved him. He's been sitting on the bed not doing much, and so I figured that I should move him in back there. And if you're on the podcast, um, there's a giant stuffed bear uh, that is my uh, that is my son's uh, was my first son's now my second son's uh, and I have put a galaxy jersey on him because he was naked before and I thought that that was indecent Kevin so he looks kind of like Kobe Jones yeah he <laughs> because he's wearing a Kobe Jones kit is that that's why he looks like Kobe Jones well and he's kind of tiny and he's kind of tiny understood okay good I didn't I didn't know where you're going with that and you scared me so I'm glad I'm glad we got through that uh let's see a busy the season is so close now I can taste it I, I was gonna say train it, camp. It, it feels like it's it, it was close um a lot of stuff happened after Thursday uh, Thursday night Kevin I, I know you weren't paying attention to our live show but on our live show uh, we were all excited because we were gonna get to do the countdown until MLS drops the hammer and shuts out the players and we were like oh we were gonna do it live as it counted down it was gonna be I think you know a lot of fun for me just to count it down and then you know to see the the, the league explode there at the end whenever it hit nine o'clock and and twelve p.m. Uh, or twelve a.m. Eastern time, uh, and then of course in the afternoon MLS decided to extend that until Friday afternoon. So uh, instead we waited for most of the day Friday, and then Friday afternoon we got the uh, the the word that MLS and the MLSPA had reached a a tentative 
agreement. And so uh, we were we were all on pins and needles with tentative ag- agreements. Uh, some things started to filter out and do some stuff. And then we knew that MLSPA needed to go ahead and ratify and vote on that particular um, uh, uh, CBA. And then uh, the owners also had to ratify that into. And so basically it's an amendment to the existing CBA. And so that is now been done. We know as of Monday today uh, that MLSPA, the Players Association, ratified those amendments. Uh, the MLS owners groups did so as well. And saying all that, uh, the the season now can move forward, Kevin. That's, that's, that's the big takeaway. Well, yes and no. Um, yes, they may technically be amendments, but the takeaway is it's a seven-year CBA. It's a seven-year contract. Regardless of how they got there, it's in effect for seven years. However, um, that force majeure clause is still there, which means that after has to, it, they have to wait one year, meaning they, they can go into next January, and then the league can uh, uh, rebirth that clause, I guess, or bring it back, and it, we could be back uh, to the start again. The, the force majeure clause, basically, it's, it's pretty standard contract language that says either side or both sides can back out of an agreement if there is a a crisis event such as a war or a pandemic, which we have a pandemic, that if if things don't improve financially, that that the league or the players can back out of this uh, in a year, which means we're back to the start again with perhaps another threatened walkout. So this may not be totally done. Another thing, too, you, you we mentioned at the top of the show when training camp might open. It's supposed to open February 22nd. In my mind, we have plenty of time to do that. I'm looking at the calendar now. Right. This is this is uh, February 8th. They got plenty of time. Um but now uh, the league is apparently saying that camp may start a little bit later, and if it does, it could push the season back a little bit later. I would definitely expect uh, no later than February 29th. They might push push it back one uh, – well, February 28th or right. March 1st. Might push it back one week. I don't think they go any further than that, and then the season would open the second week in April. Uh, we're supposed to get schedules shortly. Yeah, um, yeah wait, wait. The, the exact words were um, – or let's see, we'll release the schedules at a later date. So sometime in that in that general area was stuff. But I'm with you. I think schedules should be coming out here pretty pretty soon. Yeah, I think they were just waiting for all this to get done, and that's probably a good idea to take the focus, uh, make sure the focus didn't go away from from these talks, which needed to get done before any of this other stuff happens. So I can't later this month, March first, the latest. Perhaps the season pushed to the second week in April. I don't think much further than that. Um, I think we're pretty committed to that timeline. But you and I were talking earlier today. Uh, it seems to me that that the league really strong-armed the players with with the threat of a walkout. Because when you look at some of the ownership, there are several, more than a half dozen billionaires uh, among MLS ownership group. These guys could wait uh, out a year. And when you think about it, it's almost to the owner's benefit, uh, a, a lockout, in that they don't have salaries to pay. Right. The stadium remains empty, so they, they don't lose the salary money. They're not going to get the revenue anyways. The players had no pressure. The players couldn't say to the owners, hey, look, all these fans want to go to the stadium and see us play. You better get this done. There was no pressure points for the for the players to uh, to push the owners into an agreement. Everything was in the owners' uh, side of the court here, and um, you know the threat of the lockout that would have meant the players would have gone without salaries in the midst of a pandemic. Remember, last time there were salary figures was 2019. About a third, well, 30 percent of the players in MLS made under eighty thousand dollars a year. So they're threatening to lock out these players that are making less than eighty thousand dollars a year in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I think the players really didn't have um, they didn't have a hand to play in this. 
It feels that way. And let's go over some of the things that we know were, were up for grabs again. And I know we've talked about it a bunch. I, I don't want to you know belabor this over and over again, Kevin. But the, the bottom line is that, um, you know, in in our view, and, and I will tell you in, in the players' views, they, they gave up things and they did not necessarily get anything in return. Now, um, the one of the big things that sort of happens is that they're freezing the salary budget as well. And that started in 2020 um, at basically $4.9 million. Whenever you look at it, it's $4.9 million is what the, the salary cap is. We always call it the salary budget. Now there's other things outside of that, um, you know, general allocation money, discretionary TAM. So um, basically $1.525 million in general allocation money per team, roughly uh, discretionary TAM is, you know, $2.8 million. Uh, and then so the total spend there is $9.225 million is, is basically, and that doesn't count for designated players or or anything else that's that. And that's basically the, the salary budgets that, that's there. Well, in 2020, it was $4.9 million. In, this year, in 2021, it's $4.9 million. So that's frozen as well. Uh, in 2022, it's $4.9 million dollars and so what that means is there's three years there where teams do not get a raise in in, in the salary cap to pay players so two things are going to happen nobody gets raises right. which is probably not going to happen because some players are going to deserve raises but it's going to have to come out of somebody else's pocket so you, you get in this situation where we've seen with other teams and it gets ugly sometimes where player a deserves a raise gets it then player b doesn't get the money that he deserves um, you know, cause it's, it is kind of a zero sum game. The money has to come from somewhere. So, um, it, it's just not a good situation. Basically, you know, the league goes three years without a raise. And I know that a lot of us have gone through that too in this economy, but, um, you know, these players are dealing with a very, very short career. This is their only chance to make any kind of decent money playing soccer. And when you have a three-year period, I think the average career length in MLS is probably only three to four years. So for some players, they're going to be, they're going to be under a salary freeze for their entire career. Yeah. I was going to say the only change that happens in 2022 is that there's a hundred thousand dollars of additional general allocation money that falls into that. So it goes from $9.225 million to $9.325 million. Now that's not a lot. Now here's the, here's one of the things that was a, a fix from the previous CBA. Um, and the amendments to the previous CBA, which was in 2023, the players were supposed to start getting some revenue uh, from television. Now, uh, all all Major League Soccer TV deals right now, Kevin, end on uh, in 2022. And if you paid attention, they've also said that all local TV deals need to end in 2022 as well. So there is no local TV deals going past 2022. There's no uh, national television deals going through uh, 2022. And right now, currently between ESPN, Fox, and uh, and Univision, the league gets $90 million a year. Is that correct, Kevin? That, that was right, right. That is correct. It's $90 million a year combined. And that is the worst TV contract of any of the, the major men's sports leagues in the United States. Even the NHL gets about three times more than MLS does. Well, so one of the one of the big things is that, and one of the things that the players have been pressing for is that after 2022, whenever they signed the new contract, that they were going to split some of that television revenue. And we went over this whenever it happened. And basically we said um, that the television revenue, anything over a hundred million dollars that they make off the television uh, uh, money would then be uh, given to the players in a percentage. So after 2020, yeah, basi yeah. yeah, basically the hundred thousand, uh, hundred million figure is very important. So basically any profit over what they would have gotten from the old deal. Right. So the old deal is the clock. So if, if, if major league soccer, uh, uh, 
negotiates a great, uh, deal that pays them $101 million per season, the players get basically nothing. If they negotiate a deal that plays them a billion dollars a season, then the players make a little bit of coin. Yeah, and so it was, in the original CBA, it was going to be a 25% revenue share. Um, now, the subsequent CBAs have seen the players give back in the first two years, in 2023 and 2024. Instead of the full 25%, they're getting half. So 12.5% and 12.5% of the revenue over $100 million goes into the general allocation uh, budget, the general salary budget. So, you know, we talked about the, the, the total available spend or the salary budgets that are going to be there. Well, that 12.5% over the $100 million um, can go into salaries. And so you could see the total available spend increase by whatever that amount is. Now, it's probably not going to be a ton of money, but there's some interesting little tidbits with that television deal. And that goes to this, Kevin, is right now that national television contract provides a certain number of games. Um, and for that, those three companies that we mentioned, ESPN, Fox, and um, and Univision get pay $90 million. But what MLS might be doing and why they've said no local TV deals past 2022 as well is they may be bundling their entire inventory and selling it to one entity or or selling the, the rights to that to a big player or maybe multiple players. It could be multiple players again. But what you're getting there then, Kevin, is you know if you have, let's say, national television gets, and I don't know what the number is. I, I, I don't remember, but they get like 30 games a year or they get to broadcast nationally televised. Well, if you give them every single game that there then is a commodity to them, then that 90 million could double just by the amount of inventory they're getting. So you could be getting $180 million because there's more games uh, being able to be leveraged. That's a, that's a, that's a guess right now of how they're going to try to do that. And there's a ton of logistics things that get in the way of doing it that way. But then that television Revenue could be a significant portion of how the league grows and how they put money back into the players. So it's 12 and a half percent and 12 and a half percent in 2024. And then in 2025, it kicks up to the full 25 percent revenue share all the way through the end of 2027. And we should we should also point out, Kevin, that the big sticking point in all of this was that the current CBA was supposed to end in 2025. The owners wanted it to end in 2027. The players countered by trying to put it in at 2026. Um, and the owners ultimately won out on that. And so the CBA will end in 2027. Well, and that's that's not an insignificant date, it's the 2026, because that's when the World Cup will be played in Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. Um, the owners wanted to have that labor agreement through 2027 because they expect a huge bump from the World Cup, a bump in, in soccer interest, both spectators coming out, spending on soccer-related things. So the owners wanted to have that locked in. The players wanted the the uh, CBA to end in 2026 to give them a little bit of leverage as uh, they're building to the tournament, uh, to the World Cup, to say, hey, you know, there may be a work stoppage. We may go on strike if we don't negoti renegotiate the CBA, you know, to our liking. So the players saw that as leverage. The owners did too. The owners wanted to make sure there was labor peace through the World Cup. So that's why that date was significant. But you said something earlier about the players conceded uh, on uh, or, or gave in on this percentage of TV money. One reason you see a lot of this stuff sort of backloaded, in other words, the 25% not starting until the fifth year of the agreement, the reason free agency free agency doesn't come in until the last two years of the agreement. The reason the salary cap is frozen at the beginning and increases later is the league says we need to recover the money that we lost through COVID 
Uh, Don Garber says the league lost almost a billion dollars in actual revenue and projected revenue last year. They're going to lose money again this year uh, because of COVID. And one of the player things the players did last year is they gave back 10% of their salary. They took a hundred, about $110 million hit uh, from giving up some salary and bonuses to help the league through the COVID situation, knowing that this was a, you know, a situation that both the players and the, and, and the league had to deal with. So the players gave that back. That became part of the CBA. That was in the CBA after the, the league renegotiated last June. So essentially, if the league had gone forward with the CBA, the players would have given back again 10% this year. That's one reason they, the, the CBA was renegotiated. And the league said, we'll make you whole again. We'll give you back 100% of your salary. Right. Which seems ridiculous. They're saying contractually we're going to pay you what we already said we're going to pay you until this goofy CBA came along. So they're giving them back their money. That's one of the reasons the players agree. Those guys making eighty thousand dollars a year or a hundred thousand or one hundred and fifteen thousand, this was real money to them. So they negotiated a CBA that's very backloaded that helps the league out. But my point was going to be, you said that players made a concession and gave back, and then they tried to meet the league halfway. Right. I didn't see the league. I didn't see any wiggle on the part of the league. And it, it, it's interesting that the players were, were willing to do this to give money back because the league is suffering. Let's say in 2023, 2024, every stadium in the league is sold out and they have a, a, a great TV deal. Do you think the league is going to come back and say, you know what, players, we're going to give you some back because you helped us in 2020. I don't see it happening. I, I really think this is a one-way street. And, uh, you know, I think the sidewalk is going to get really narrow for the players going forward. I just don't see the league ever coming back and, and, and meeting them halfway. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting, um, you know, conundrum here. And, and as you said, and I think rightfully so, I don't think we've seen anything, Kevin, that has sort of indicated that uh, that the, the that the owners moved at all, um, which is sort of a crazy thing to to understand. So um, when when we look at this, you know, yeah, there was an offer of 2026 and to sort of move that into 2026, but that doesn't seem to have happened. Um, it doesn't. It, it it never even really came into the argument. And in fact, you know, MLS went out and said, "Hey, we're going to lock you out. Um, this is done. You're done. Everything's done here." And so that's what we saw from you know really this this negotiation. Uh, so you, you, it now goes to 2027. You mentioned the free agency, the free agency thing that comes into um, basically 24. It used to be 24 years. You had to at least be 24 years old and five years of service. And then uh, now it's changed to 24 years and four years of service, but as you mentioned, doesn't come in until 2026, 2027. Outside of the free agency, Kevin, outside of that, I can't see anything else that has been a positive for um, for the players because you look at their salaries and you said, hey, it guaranteed them a, 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 a paycheck. And, uh, you know, in some ways, I, I agree with you, Kevin, that the um, that the owners contractually were, had to pay the players that. Well, they didn't technically because if they wanted to lock them out, they could have torn up the CBA completely and then all those contracts would have been null and void. They wouldn't have had to pay, uh, pay them at all. So there was something to lose here. Um, and so I guess there is some gain on that whenever you think about it, but it's certainly not the game that I think um, the you know anybody reasonably, even the players, uh, really think so. So I was I was able to talk to to one player. Um, and basically the, the player said, I said, you know, Hey, what do you think of the CBA? You know, it's, it, it seems like maybe it, it didn't work out, um, you know, the best. 
Uh, and this player basically said, you know, yeah, I mean, I think the players caved um, on 2027 and that it wasn't uh, it, it was not ideal. Um, it, it's it's interesting to sort of take that look and, and look at all those different things that, that the players think. I think if you went and were actually able to audit the vote, Kevin, um, and look at what um, how close some of these votes were about whether or not to proceed through 2026 and, and give the league the 2027, I think that those votes may have been uh, a lot closer than than we than we expected. So, well, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff Carlisle from ESPN said that the vote, the executive committee and the bargaining committee for the players union, the vote on Friday, which is after the second extension to continue talks, the vote to take this package to the full union membership, that vote was 24 to 11. So it's pretty substantial. I, my understanding the uh, the vote on uh, with the full player pool on 2027, the vote to uh, extend the CBA for, for seven years was what's was much closer. Um, a couple of things, you know, the, I'm not so sure that the league has been very smart here. First of all, the free agency thing is significant in a way in that the players in the last CBA really wanted free agency and the league fought them on that. And their argument was we're a single entity. Free agency means we're bidding against ourselves. And they added all these sort of uh, fail safes in there to make sure that the, you know, salaries didn't climb too high. Um, so even then it was a little bit of a win for the ownership, but the fact that the players got this down to 24 years, four years of service, you know, MLB with major league baseball, with their free agency, you have to be with a team for six years or be in the league for six years. So that's a pretty good deal for, uh, for MLS, but that's really the only victory. And I, and I wonder why the players drew such a hard or the league drew such a hard line because the players can't come out of this saying that they got any kind of a victory. Yeah. And I, they had talked about um, drawing lines in the sand and we're going to, you know, they talked in June about, we're not going to, we're not going to cave to the league. And they did. Then they talked this year. They, they didn't negotiate for a month. We're not going to cave into the league. We're going to, we're united. We're strong. And they caved again. And the league didn't give them a chance, didn't give the union a chance to hang their hat on any kind of a victory. And I think that might come back to bite them because uh, man, this gives, I know it's seven years is a long time, but I just think the players are going to, are, are are, the players are not happy. And I just wonder if they're going to be able to hold on to that anger for seven years, whether it's going to get worse, what's going to happen the next time around, or if the if the league forces them to renegotiate again next year, which they can do. Yeah, Kevin, you, your video froze. So whenever you get a chance, yeah. just refresh your camera, turn your camera on, turn your camera off. Don't hit that red button. Um, and that type of thing. I'll keep, I, I can keep talking while you do that and maybe we'll get a, uh, a little refresh here and it'll actually work again. Um, I'm back. It, it, it see, it does work. So you, it was, there so you next go. time you see that, if you see that, just hit the button. It's okay. Live. It's a live. We're recording. I thought I, live. I, thought I, I thought I weren't, I just wasn't moving. I mean, I felt like I was moving, but I thought maybe I know. And, and I thought maybe it was me and however, it doesn't matter. It worked. And I'm not going to edit this out cause I refuse to do that anymore. Um, so, so no, I mean, you're right. There was no win here for the players. And usually when you try to negotiate, Kevin, you try to give everybody a win, right? I mean, hey, it's really fun to sort of, you know, screw people over sometimes whenever you're bartering for a car. But it's better whenever you both sort of reach the happy place that you're in the middle and everybody's like, OK, that works for me. I had to give a little bit. You had to give a little bit. I would love to know what the owners gave. I mean, Ultimately, here, when I look at this, the owners didn't give anything. Um, 
I look at the numbers and and we've been on the on the video side of things. We've been putting up the the sheet that sort of shows the 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 numbers and these are these are um are are real close numbers. They're not exact, um, but they're pretty close and it sort of gives an idea of where everybody is. Jeff Carlisle, I think, put this one out, um, and so I grabbed this one uh, from him so that way we could sort of take a look at it. Uh, and so yes, there's increases in total available spends, and that starts in 2023 as we mentioned. Um, it goes to 2024 where you know. Your budget, your salary cap goes from you know five point two to five point four million to five point nine million in twenty twenty six. It goes to six point three million, and in twenty twenty seven, the salary budget is going to be over seven million dollars with a total spend uh, addition, you know, of of about thirteen million dollars. The interesting thing here is that the discretionary TAM starts to go away, Kevin, and that starts to go away when TV revenues are put in. So there's an offsetting effect in this. In that as they pull away discretionary TAM, they're expecting the television revenues to fill that gap. And that's that's a guess right now. And the players are taking the gamble on that, that the revenue is going to be such that they can make more money and then that will give it. But the league is basically saying we're pulling back that discretionary TAM. And as a matter of fact, it goes from the $2.8 million that it was here in 2020 and 2021 um, and in 2027, it goes to the discretionary TAM falls to almost under $2 million. So they're taking $800,000 roughly uh, away from these things. Um, it's just, and that's per team. That is, that is per team. Exactly. So, um, so when you look at this, it's, it, you know, there's a gamble here by the players and the owners to me, it seems like they didn't gamble all that much with this. Now they may say we're predicting that we're going to be able to make that money back on the back end that we've lost. And so that's a gamble for us. I can understand that. Um, it's just, there's a lot of sort of, I don't want to say gambling, but you know, a lot of times business is gambling, Kevin. And so, you know, in this business and what they're doing they're they've made their projections. They're pretty sure they understand where they fall. Um, they understand what the positives and the negatives are with all this. Um, it's just a matter of let's see the league grow. And those last two years, of the CBA, the 26 and 27 that we're looking at, uh, I think from 2025 to 2026, there's a 7.5% increase in the salary budget, which is a significant uh, bump. It's higher than the rest of the years. And in 2027, there's a 10% bump. And I don't want to you know, sort of negate that. There is a 10% bump between 2026 and 2027. However, saying that, uh, if there was a new CBA that got negotiated after 2025, Kevin, you would expect the players to get more money as the result of a new CBA. So they're losing money on that deal more than likely. Um, well, and, and also when you look at the salary figures today, 2020, and then you say, OK, it jumps 10 percent year over year at the end of the deal. What is the jump between 2020 uh, and 2028? Or 2027, and does that match the rate of inflation? Because right. it may not. The players may actually be have less buying power in 2027 than they have today because of a contract they negotiated. It's a it's a long way out. MLS certainly wanted to toot its own horn, talking about how there's now uh, through the uh, through the entire lifetime of this CBA, including the 25 years that had already preceded it, uh, there have been no work stoppages. Except that we told you that MLS could very well, or the players could very well enact the force majeure if they wanted to, Kevin. And if that happens, then there could be another. I mean, we could be going through this whole thing again. Um, so it's 
it, it's I know we spent a lot of time and you need to and I know it's a lot of numbers and you need to understand that um, to give you an idea of sort of where the max budget charge is. Um, so, you know, the maximum amount you can pay a player to where they're still under the salary cap or the salary budget is six hundred twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, that is that will stay the same through twenty twenty two. We talked about freezing it uh, by the time we get to twenty twenty seven, though, Kevin, that max, <coughs> that max salary charge uh, max salary budget charge will be almost eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So you can sort of see the progress being made um, in some of these things. The senior minimum salary right now in 2021 is going to be $81,735,000. In 2022, it actually goes up a little bit to $84,000. By the time we get to 2027, the senior minimum salary will be $125,875,000, and the reserve minimum salary will be $97,700. So, you know, from 63,547 to 97,700, almost uh, every guy on the reserve uh, team minimum salary will be almost $100,000. So there is some growth in there. Uh, just general, in general, Kevin, we have not seen, uh, we did not see what maybe we thought we were going to see with this CBA. Uh, we thought maybe we were going to see the players take a stand. Um, I think that uh, one of the huge things that maybe went against them in this, Kevin, is when you look at the fact that there aren't fans in the stands, would there really have been an outcry had the players gone on strike to really put pressure on the owners to get them back and playing? And you, you talked about at the beginning, there certainly seems like there maybe were some owners that did not want to play this season, did not want to write those checks, did not want to lose the money that they were going to be about to lose. Um, and because of that, you know, maybe they were thinking it's better to lock everybody out and without the pressure from the fans in the stands going to the games, uh, sort of forcing those things, maybe maybe there wasn't enough there for the players to sort of risk it and, and, and risk getting locked out and, and play that. I, I don't know if that came into a play or not. Well, yeah, there didn't seem to be any pressure points that the players could could push. Um, you know, without fans in the stands, the fans aren't going, you know, it's watching from home one way or the other. The fans aren't going to push. I don't think the fans wouldn't have made a big push to the point where the owners were scared into making uh, some sort of an agreement without the ability to go to the games in person. And then again, if there's a lockout, uh, the owners save all that money both on salary and on not having to open the stadium for a game with no fans. I mean, just opening the stadium for us to go watch as journalists and for the players to play, that costs a lot of money. There's security, there's electricity, there's all kinds of things. Uh, players aren't in training camp. They save money there. Um, all the savings in this thing were on the owner's side. Uh, and, and the players wanted to get their 100% salary back. I understand why they came to this agreement. What troubles me is that the the, the – the union had talked so big going into these negotiations and the ones last year too. Right. Um, and they, they just, they came away with nothing. Um, and, uh, you know, the players were, were sounding so militant uh, that I really had hope that, that maybe there, there might be some concessions on ownership. I just don't see them. And you were talking about that um, discretionary TAM dropping um, with it's dropping in the last two years, it's going to drop 200,000 uh, per team. And then that's uh, with 30 teams in the league. That's, that's about $6 million, I believe my math is correct, which it probably isn't. But so they're banking that that money is going to come back to them in the TV revenue. And there's no guarantee that it is since it's proportional. It's only 25% right. of the profits over a hundred million dollars. Right. Um, that's a really risky game that the owner, that the, the players decided to engage in. It's, it's almost like a, a wager. It's a bet and it could pay off, but they could also come up 
uh, with a big loss. Business is a bet, Kevin. Business is a bet. If you if you don't think that people gamble every single day, if you have a small business, I guarantee you're gambling every single day. Uh, you're gambling that you can make said product. These guys are no different. Uh, a lot of them just have a lot more money. Um, but one of the reasons that maybe they got some of that money is because they took the gambles and made the right decisions in some of those areas. And, you know, for some people, they just inherited it. So uh, it, it'll be, it's something to watch. I do not think, and just talking to at least one player, I do not think that there is any love lost between MLS and MLSPA. MLSPA does not thank the league at all in their statement. The league thanks the players in theirs. As uh, they should. Yes, as I was going to say, rightfully Thanks so. Thanks for waving the white flag and giving <laughs> us all our money back. We appreciate it. Rightfully so on on both cases. You know, so. one thing Paul Tenorio mentioned, uh, Paul Tenorio, the great soccer writer for The Athletic, uh, has been all over this, as have Jeff Car- has Jeff Carlisle. And Sam Sheskel, yeah. I should say. Yeah, Sam Sheskel from yeah. The Athletic as well. Just basically the whole athletic team, and and then and then Jeff is the is the team at ESPN. They've been all over this stuff, and one of the things Paul said is he thinks that when all the dust settles, is that what this has done is it's stunted that momentum that MLS was making vis-a-vis other top leagues around the world. That now this is a huge step back. That all of a sudden the momentum that MLS had in catching maybe somebody like the Portuguese Liga or or some of the minor uh, smaller leagues in Europe. That, that 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 is not going to happen. Are, are we still going to get big name DPs from Europe? Yes, because they get the big paychecks. Right. But some of the middle players, maybe some of the players that would have come here from Europe, uh, from rather South America on their way to Europe, we've now seen an infusion of Japanese of uh, South Korean players. A lot of that may dry up if this league comes off looking kind of rinky dink, and the union comes off as looking kind of powerless. And I think certainly you could, you know, agents will make that case. Don't go to MLS. Come play in the championship. Come play in the third tier in England. It's better for you. Yeah, was there's still beaches and there's still a regular paycheck. I have to imagine that some of that stuff is, is still going to happen. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't feel nice. I don't think anybody feels. I, I feel like MLS probably the, and the owners needed to take a shower after they got done with this because it was dirty. Whatever it was, it was dirty. And hey, maybe we're going to find out in a documentary that gets released in 20 years. Um, that talks about how MLS was on the brink of, of losing it all again. And this CBA saved it and really put it in the right direction and a whole bunch of other things. Um, it's just that the owners and MLS didn't do a good job of showing their work if that was the case. And so um, it's really hard to believe that the league would have ended had this CBA not been done. Um, and it feels like uh, it certainly feels like the owners took advantage of the players. And I think the players feel taking advantage of um, even after all this is done. So. It, and did you see what FC Cincinnati was spending last week? Oh, they, they were busy. They were busy announcing players like right as the league was uh, was sitting there saying, oh, yeah, we're going to cancel the CBA. Yeah. And, and for huge, huge contracts, record contracts. And the argument was made, well, they're moving into their new stadium and they're going to get money from that. Yeah. An empty stadium, at least for now. Right. Um, you know, they're banking, too, on eventually fans being back. We don't know when that will happen, but it just seemed funny to have one team virtually spending like a drunken sailor on one hand and then the rest of the league saying, Oh, we're, you know, we're poor, you know, we haven't got barely two nickels to rub together. Please help us out on the other side. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it's, I think it's going to be uh, team to team and, and how that goes And FC Cincinnati personally, they needed it. I think the LA galaxy have been sitting and waiting on signings to sort of see if whether or not there was going to be um, a league really to, to, to play in. Uh, again, we expect that the league is going to be delayed maybe one to two weeks max. Uh, we expect that maybe player camps 
will be delayed maybe one week to two weeks. That seems like that's about the the range. So nothing's going to slide horribly. There is there's even a chance maybe that everything gets ready and gone by February 22nd, Kevin. But as of right now, we're expecting um, that there's a slight delay in all that. And eventually we're going to get a, uh, a a schedule as well. Now, I'm trying to think of why that delay would be. When you talked to Jonathan Bond, he said that he had to go into quarantine, correct? Y- yeah, he was. And I'm sure he's out by now. But yes. But how long was the quarantine? Did he tell Ten you? days. Because I'm th- the only thing I can think of is maybe until this deal was done, teams were not going to play pay for foreign players to come in. Yeah. Now that now that the deal is done, that they can start bringing these players in, they have to quarantine. So why not move camp back a week? Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, is you can sit there and say, yeah, but you have the whole preseason to sort of bring those guys in a couple days here or there. I mean, I feel like it's just logistics of everybody getting on the same page, getting started up, and saying, yes, we're actually going to do it. Um, I also think that COVID takes a real um, shot at this. We're still in COVID. We're still having to deal with all these rules. Um, You know, lots of things are, I I think, you know, you can rightfully say things are getting better. I think there's some optimism um, out there that maybe there wasn't there before that perhaps, you know, by late summer and fall, you and I and, you know, 25,000 of our closest friends could be at a stadium. Um, Again, that could actually be, you know, a reality here in the future. Uh, but we're not there yet. Uh, we still have to deal with that. And I think the beginning of this season is still going to be a difficult one uh, for MLS to sort of schedule and pull off. And so, you know, a couple weeks here or there maybe gets figures, get helps them figure out the whole Canada situation, which still doesn't look like it's 100 percent settled. Uh, and Canada teams probably should Canadian teams should probably end up uh, or, or think about playing their first games in the U.S., um, at least this beginning part. Well, uh, that definitely is what's holding the schedules up, by the way. And and the league now is, if you remember, after MLS is back, they played sort of a Canadian Cup with those three teams played 100 games against each other. Yes. Uh, they don't want to do that again. So the league is actually thinking now the Canadian teams will start their seasons in the U.S., be billeted in different cities as they were at the end of last season. And that's one of the things holding up the schedule. I will say uh, that the Biden administration's already talked to Justin Trudeau in Canada. There, uh, there is a team uh, task force of uh, government officials from both sides of the border trying to work out a deal to allow um, non-essential travel across the border. MLS is considered non-essential travel. One thing, though, your timeline and 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 people like Anthony Fauci and stuff talk about, you know, late summer, early fall, the earliest to get back, and and the numbers are dropping dramatically, both cases and and deaths dropping dramatically, really heading in the right direction in, in a robust way. I, I fear that these some of these Super Bowl parties we saw right. may lead to a little bit of a spike. I, I'm also hearing some of these um, um, strains that are coming in, especially the South African and Brazilian strains. Um, they could be really, really, really uh, throw a monkey wrench in these whole works. We may see the numbers going back up again soon. So I think it's kind of like fingers crossed. Yes. Hope we can get back. But but perhaps MLS is onto that too and saying let's not go too quickly. Let's not right. start opening stadiums up in April. And then all of a sudden we have to back off in June. Well, let's move on uh, from the CBA. I know that was a long time. I want to say, you know, I meant to say it at the beginning, Kevin, but I think now is as good a time as ever. Uh, today is February 8th, uh, 2021. It is. It is. Uh, it is. February 8th, 2020 was when the LA Galaxy officially opened Victoria Block. And they had like a little scrimmage and people were able to go. Um, and it was also the the first time that I took my son, who was uh, who was what, two months old, I think at the time, uh, whenever or three months, three months old uh, at the time it was the first time I took him to the stadium as well. And so that was that night. And it's just 
it's crazy to think that it was a year ago and that we had heard about some of these rumblings about, oh, yeah, there's this virus and maybe this is going to be a problem and maybe it wasn't. And we all went to we all felt perfectly safe going to the stadium. Wasn't an issue. Um, you know, there's even a first game that got played in, 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 in uh, you know, against Vancouver. Uh, I think that was in March. So there was still a game and we still went and there was a lot more nervousness at that time, I remember. But at the same time, to realize that was a year ago. Um, that Victoria Block and the renovations that the LA Galaxy did only got one game really in them for the LA Galaxy. Uh, and we were all there, and then everything sort of got shut down. And we're, we're coming back on that timeline where it's almost been a year since things have shut down. And it's just, it's crazy to think, one, that it's been a year and that we've survived sort of this long. And, and unfortunately, some of us haven't. Um, I get too many emails and, 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 and requests for help, uh, for GoFundMes, for people's parents, for people's siblings who have died. And I tweeted one out over the weekend. And so, um, I, I really, I'd appreciate if you go and check that out as well. I'm not trying to be a downer on this, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're, we're the, the earth is still spinning, Kevin. We're still, we're still here. We're still talking about soccer. Somehow that still matters. Uh, not in the large scheme of things, but in, you know, the small times here, um, and it's been a year ago since since, you know, really they try. We, we thought we were getting ready for another season of MLS soccer. Well, if I could, my quick story on that is I remember the, the Galaxy, if you remember, opened in Houston. That was Chicharito's first MLS game. Then they came home. They were going to play at home. Uh, I think that game was Vancouver. Yes. And then they were going to go to Miami and people were at least the journalists, some of them were already looking past Vancouver to the Miami game. It was the galaxy going home to play David Beckham. And I remember talking to GBS the week before the Vancouver game and saying, you're looking forward to going to Miami. It's going to be a big game. You know, they're going to open their temporary stadium. And he said, I just heard from someone in Miami that there was a big uh, music festival that they're not allowing people to go to. And I'm really worried that they're not going to play that game. And I'm not sure we're going to go. And this was 10 days before they were supposed to leave. And right. GBS called that one, uh, you know, 100% right. And he was worried, you know, 10 days out that it might not happen. Then I remember getting the call that Thursday morning. As, uh, as you were on the way to the airport, weren't you? Yep. And that the Galaxy were not going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, we're, we're, we're nearing that anniversary of all those crazy things to, to, to sort of happen. And like I said, uh, some of us are here, some of us aren't here. Um, but you know, we're we're still we're still doing it. I've learned how to double mask now. I'm 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 very good at that. Um, so I'll actually I actually have to travel. Um, I'm going to visit my son who lives in in Colorado, who I don't get to see very much, and certainly not much this year. And so we're going to try to be, do it super safe. Are, are you driving again? No, I'm going to fly. So so yes, we're going to keep our fingers crossed, double mask, and and not touch things. And yes, we ha we have to. Uh, unfortunately, it's getting to the point where it's now detrimental to to keep us apart. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna make that happen, and I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed on that. But I you know I'm feeling. I'm feeling okay about it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm okay with it. So uh, I'll be quarantining, do all the stuff whenever I come back as well. So uh, we have that going. But there might not be a show. That leads me. There might not be a show on Thursday night. There might not be a show on Monday night. Just giving everybody a heads up. Uh, for sure, no show on Thursday night. I may bump it up to Wednesday night and probably no show next Monday night. Um, although maybe there's a chance um, if I get back. I, I get solo. Yeah, no, you can't. Go, that's, hey, that's hey Josh, what do you think of this? Yeah, that's absolutely not. Let's get to uh, some U.S. Open Cup a little bit as well. Um, this is an interesting one, but U.S. Open Cup, they're absolutely trying to make sure that there is a tournament in 2021, 
And in order to do that, they're taking the open cup and turning it into the quotation mark open cup. Um, and so it is uh, a supremely pared down tournament. Basically, 24 teams, only 24 teams, Kevin, 24 teams will compete for a U.S. Open Cup this year. And uh, by the way, there's no guarantees of even this happening. But 24 entrants, five rounds, basically 16 clubs from lower divisions facing off first. The eight winners will move on to play only eight MLS teams. Uh, um, uh, this is like a... A, a league's cup more than it is an open cup. Whenever you look, how at do it. you pick those eight MLS teams, Josh? Riddle us that. <laughs> nobody, nobody knows because they haven't said how they're going to pick those. And more than likely, I would imagine they're going to pick them based on standings from last year. I don't know how else you really do it. Um, and and how else can you argue that? So the LA Galaxy won't have to worry about playing in U.S. Open Cup if that's the case, because they did not finish in the top eight of MLS Cup. You teams. know, it would be a much better tournament if they went from the eight from the bottom. That's right. They should they should pick the bottom ones uh, as well. Um, it's you know the winner earns a spot in the 2022 Concacaf Champions League. We know that. Uh, we talked about them picking uh, teams from MLS, USL Championship, USL League One, NISA, um, and of course from among the 36 am amateur teams that qualified in 2020. Um, basically, the Federation's Open Cup Committee will have final say on how it goes, Kevin. And the really crazy thing is that um, they're expecting the first round, those 16 teams, the lower level teams to play each other, May 4th and fourth through 5th. So May 4th and 5th uh, is when those will get played. And basically on March 29th, the committee is going to get together and say, hey, do you think we can play these games? And they're going to look at the current situation. They're going to say either yes or no. If the answer is no, then they're basically going to pick the eight teams that advance up to face the MLS teams. So then there'll be a 16 game tournament. Uh, and if the answer is no, that they can't get the next round, which is the MLS round and the lower division rounds, uh, then they're going to cancel it and look to 2022. Uh, it, it should be noted that uh, this is the first time last year was the first time the competition wasn't staged since the inaugural campaign of 1913 through 1914. We talked about uh, them playing through the Spanish flu epidemic in 1917, 1918. Um, and let's see, as of last summer, the Open Cup was the second longest continually contested annual sports competition in the world. Um, so that's sort of where it is. Uh, the breakdown goes the first round would be May 4th and 5th. The round of 16 would be May 18th through 19th. That's when the eight MLS teams would uh, join in. And then the quarterfinals, May 25th and 26th. Semifinals, the 15th and 16th. And uh, the final would be on the on June 29th or 30th. So that is the schedule, among many other schedules and things that could possibly happen this year. You know, I understand them trying to get a tournament in. I mean, I think if it damages the tournament and the spirit of it to this degree... I almost wonder why they go forward. I understand that in Europe now, you know, the, the Champions League game, Liverpool and, and Leipzig, they're going to play that game in Hungary at a neutral right. site because Liverpool can't travel to Germany because of COVID restrictions. That's a little bit different. I mean, COVID is going to continue to interrupt these things, and you wonder what goes on in World Cup qualifiers in the fall. Yeah. I mean, they have to have World Cup teams. They, they, but it, to take a tournament like that, first of all, the, the best part of that are the, the 32 amateur teams. That's the most fun part of the tournament to see how they do against, you know, the bigger clubs. And when you erase that aspect of it, it just becomes almost a, another M minor MLS tournament in a sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's the not open open cup this year. And and that's fine. I don't care. I, I, I think it's fine that they're scheduling it. I think that's fine that they're going to try to play it. I think it's fine. However, they really want to make it happen. 
it loses all significance. And, and that's unfortunate. I, somebody did point out that this is probably the best year an, an amateur team will ever have of winning the whole thing. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for those Cinderella stories, this may be it because it's just a short amount of time. Um, and possibly uh, that means that uh, that you could see, you know, somebody come away with stealing it. Um, but uh, again, who knows? I mean, we're remember sort of, that 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 open open cup game was it 2015 or 2016 when the team from Santa Ana took the galaxy into extra time. Yeah. And they won on that trick play. I think Mike McGee was involved in that. I don't know if it was Mike McGee. Maybe it was. I'm trying to remember. And no, that seems like it was late for McGee. I can't remember exactly, but yes, I remember it. It was controversial. Uh, in fact, it probably shouldn't have stood uh, whenever you go back and really watch it and see if that was a thing or not, but uh, it did. And that's the open cup craziness. It was in the main stadium. I remember that. So yeah, that, I, I mean, that, that was, that was one of the more fun open cup games we've seen. <sighs> craziness. Just remember, remember the good old times when you could just go to a stadium with, you know, 5,000 of your closest friends and people would yell and scream right behind you and over your shoulder. And Hey, think of simple times when you used to blow out candles on a birthday cake and then serve it to everybody. What a great idea that was, right? Um, all right. So uh, let's move on a little bit as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about rumors of a kit release. We had been talking on this program many times about the second kit. And then whenever we got the first kit wrong and, you know, everybody yelled at me and I corrected it the next day. And so we got that correct. Everything's now corrected. The LA Galaxy expected to get and will get a new 2021 away kit. So a second kit, um, the alternate colorway. Uh, that we talked about tech green and black being that alternate colorway. And so there were hints and, and thoughts that perhaps it would look like a throwback kit, like a 1997 jersey. Um, and so we see a release. Now, uh, I have not been able to confirm this. And quite honestly, I didn't work that hard because it feels pretty much like this is going to be it. Uh, this, uh, this kit, and certainly we're showing you pictures of it on our video stream. Uh, that's from behind. That's yeah, the behind that, shot. That, that's the behind shot. And, and that's a, that's a big sense of controversy, by the way, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but the front basically does and mimics the 1997, um, you know, kit almost exactly. In fact, there's not a lot of creativity really in this. There's some differences probably in some line thickness, um, but the colors are all there. Uh, the big sort of uh, controversies that I've seen, of course, are um, the crest being in that white slash silver. Um, I don't think that that was ever going to change. I would expect that the letters and the numbering uh, from MLS are going to get the white MLS lettering on this as well. Uh, but the big sort of controversy or people being upset is that the stripes don't carry on through the back, Kevin. The the, the back is a a blank black. And, and we think that the versions that have been let out so far here, Kevin, um, are actually, uh, just, uh, are, are not the authentic one because there's no stars and there should be stars on the authentic. So we know that. Um, and that two is the back being all black is indication of sort of the replica and not the authentic. Because if you look at the night navies, the, the authentic night Navy has stripes that sort of finish down the back, um, and gives a box for the numbering. And I think that's an MLS thing. They don't want the, the, the numbers and the lettering to have lines going through it, Kevin, because it's harder to see and harder to to sort of uh, adjudicate. And it's probably harder on television for uh, certain people to see as well. So they want that blank canvas on the back, but there's more than likely on the authentic one going to be stars and two a box on the back. So, um, you know, we've been seeing some of these kits. There, there's being that released. jersey right behind you. It's it's very similar to the to that was the 1997 um, uh, uh, away, I think, colorway. The white was the away colorway. Um, yeah, the one Kobe Bear is wearing. 
That's right. Um, and so, you know, and you can see uh, on that one, and I'll explain it for those of you who are listening on the podcast, um, that one had the gold numbering on it. I think the gold numbering would look really good on this, but I would kind of expect that there would be a gold um, crest if that was the case. And so uh, the the thing I think people are complaining about is the, the blank back and, and the stripes not carrying all the way through like it did on some of the originals. But remember, the original 97 is a Nike design. This is an Adidas design. Kevin, more than likely, Adidas had to go to Nike and be like, hey, we're going to kind of copy this. Um, and is that OK? And so it's likely that Nike had to give their blessing for Adidas to go back and make this kit, um, you know, in these colors and in this direction. I will tell you right now, Kevin, this thing's going to sell out fast. It's going to be gone. I know there's people complaining. I think they're they're a vocal minority right now. Um, I think that this kit will be one of the most popular sold in Major League Soccer this year. So far, it is the best looking kit by far, and there have been some ugly ones. The number two one is sort of the uh, Philadelphia Union one that they put out. Um, and then I, I think this one's number one. Uh, maybe maybe there's some bias in that because I've seen so many LA Galaxy kits and understand sort of what this means to the history of the club and what they're trying to do with this, uh, Kevin. But at the same time, I'm usually a pretty good indicator of, of whether or not these are going to sell out. So uh, my suggestion to all of you is whenever they suggest that you pre-order it, that you do not wait because there's a good chance they will not make enough of these for you to get one. I'm just, I, I feel that's that's right. You know, I've been to the Adidas campus. It's right outside Nuremberg, Germany, and where it's a, it's a, it's like the Nike campus. It's very huge, uh, and they have a team of people there that design jerseys. And um, it, you know, for teams all over the world, you look at how many Nike or Adidas teams there are all over the world. There's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands. And so when they come up with these three or four jerseys for each MLS team. When you wonder why some of them start to look the same, well, first of all, there's only so many things you can do with stripes and colors. I mean, it is limited. But again, just a, a finite number of people trying to crank out all these jerseys. Um, yeah, you they, know, they have templates. They, they, yeah, they, they have they, templates. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of my point. There are templates. There's stuff they go back to. One guy likes stripes that are vertical. One guy likes horizontal stripes. And right. and that's the way they go. Yeah. And, and that's why this is a little break from that template. I mean, not a hundred percent because certainly we've seen these sort of vertical stripes. Uh, it has black as the predominant stripe. The alternate predominant stripe is the tech green. So the throwback color for the LA galaxy. Uh, and then they have that nice little gold accent on either side of the stripe. Uh, it's just, it's a very nice looking kit. And like I said, I would imagine uh, that this will not last long and that, uh, you know, if you're going to buy one to, to sort of stash away and as a collector, uh, you might do it. Somebody was joking as well. We know that Atlanta United, Kevin, is one of the only teams that's going to get a third kit this year. Um, and one of the reasons is that Adidas basically said if you sell over 100,000 kits that you could go ahead and you get a third jersey. This kit alone could be responsible for the LA Galaxy getting a third kit next year. Um, I could see that definitely being a thing because it's not just going to be people here in LA. There's going to be people around the world that understand the significance of a throwback kit. Uh, and this is, if this is correct, which we believe it is, uh, if this is correct, this is a throwback kit, Kevin. This is, they didn't even, they didn't even channel anything here. This is not channeling 1997. This is copy and It's like, hey, Kevin, don't copy my, if you're going to copy my homework, change a few things. There's not a lot changed on this. Well, and if it is a blank back, if they do stay with the, without the stripes, I guarantee you someone in Germany was going, man, this is cutting edge. Look at this. Mm. We didn't put stripes back here. It's all blank. It's, it, they thought that was outside the box. It's in their template. You can, 
go and see some of the stripes that they do that there's a block there's a block on the back where you can put the numbers and again that seems to be more an mls thing and uh so anyway that was it the the kit rumor is there i'm hearing that possibly end of february is whenever they think they're going to release this um so actually when you think about it the 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 leak for this came pretty pretty way or a lot ahead of when the announcement could be i'm still trying to get confirmation on if there is going to be an end of february announcement if it's going to be sooner um but i've been sort of hinted at that it could be end of february so just sort of keep an eye on that that's one of the things do you know know if the store at the dignity health sports park is even open for when those jerseys do come out i don't i i don't i don't know if it was open and i like i said i would just you know follow mls and all those things and as soon as they say you can pre-order it just order it just get it however you get it online just order it and order it from three different places that way you make sure that you at least get one um because some of these this might be the run this is like the run on all the computer equipment that's been happening since the the pandemic started where you know you can't get video cards you can't get memory um all these all these you can't get webcams webcams you couldn't find uh because everybody was working from home and everybody needed a computer and everybody was building stuff to to work from home and so it was a crunch it feels like this kit is going to be that sort of in demand where if you're going to want it you better have ordered it earlier so uh let's continue we still got a couple different things that i want to get to um we wanted to talk quickly Zlatan Ibrahimovic scores club goal number 500 Kevin um, a little alumni checkup and and he's talking about signing another deal with AC Milan because of course he is how is he gonna play till he's 45 well he said he wants to they're talking about he had signed an extension last summer 2020 and they're already talking about another extension this is being pushed by Milan's coach uh, who wants to see Zlatan extended he's 39 now um, he has with the brace he scored over the weekend he now has 501 club goals only Messi and Ronaldo have more he has over 500 club and country goals of course uh, um, Lewandowski also has that so there's four people with that a couple of things though more stats about Zlatan 14 goals on the season only Cristiano Ronaldo in Serie A has more six braces right he he and Cristiano Ronaldo both have six braces this this season in a top five European league. Nobody has more. Six is the top. But the most interesting thing for me is when he came back to Milan, if you remember, they were in danger of not qualifying for any European tournament, right. not for Europa League, not for Champions League. Right now, they are not only in first place, but if they win, it'll be the first time Juventus has not won Serie A in nine, ten seasons now. It would be the first uh, league title for Milan since 2011. Guess who played for Milan in 2011? Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's right. Okay. The last time they won a title was with Zlatan. It, it's just, uh, it, it's insane what he's been able to do at, at, at 39. Not just scoring the goals, but clearly he's made a, a difference in that team and the way the team plays as well. Yeah, I was going to say, that Milan did a good job of supporting him as well. Yes, it's Zlatan. Yes, he's been doing great. They've done a good job of building a team that is competitive there as well around Zlatan. I think that's sort of the biggest thing, and we were talking about it in the, in the Discord, um, which was, you know, somebody, I forget who it was, was sort of sitting there and saying, you know, you need, uh, somebody from AC Milan was saying, well, you need a leader like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He demands the best of us and blah, 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 the whole deal. And people were saying, see, this is what's wrong with the Galaxy. They have too many soft players. They need, that. you know, Zlatan encourages these guys at AC Milan so what's the difference the difference is AC Milan is a competitive team as in they're you know they got rebuilt and was sort of playing around um, Zlatan and yes they got Zlatan but they put some other pieces in place there that have made that team good 
Um, and the LA Galaxy were not a good team. They were better in 2019, or excuse me, 2018, the first year with Zlatan, than they were really with 2019. In 2019, they went to the playoffs. It's just, it was a different team. Um, and and maybe, I, I still think the 2018 team shouldn't have missed the playoffs. Um, that, that was one of those. And then, you know, they change coaches and things come out in 2019. Yes, they make the playoffs. Uh, they win a playoff game. You know, there's some positives there. But bottom line is, uh, if you put Robbie Keane on the 2018 or 2019 LA Galaxy team, I'm guessing we hear a lot of complaints about him as well, Kevin. Just, just you know, he's 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 abrasive. Uh, he demands too much. Robbie Keane does, uh, and you know, he's not a good teammate. If you win, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a good teammate because you can put you can sort of say, oh, well, he yells at me, but we win games and that's good. And that's, he's good for the team. If you're losing that type of constant nagging and bullying and, and demanding of things that are, you know, probably physically impossible for the team, um, it wears on you and it grates on you and it causes problems. So Zlatan is an amazing person. Uh, he can be a great leader on the right team. Uh, it just, I don't think the galaxy were, were ready for him whenever he, no, he, and he was really, really frustrated. And you could see that, and especially as the season went on, but I liken it to puts a lot on the UCLA basketball team and everyone plays together, puts a lot on Cal state Northridge. And he wonders why they can't do the same things a pack 12 team can do. Right. It's no knock on the Northridge players. It's no knock on the galaxy players. If they were good enough to be in Syria, they would be in Syria. Right. You know, Zalatan just—he is a different kind of animal, and he—it's—it fr- would be frustrating, I think, for any of us to have to to play with people that we didn't feel were were at our level. And again, that's not a knock on the Galaxy. If the, if if the Galaxy was as good as Syria on the Bundesliga, we you know it'd be a different conversation. Uh, so uh, so that's that. Let's talk uh, quickly here about Pavone deals. Well, you wanted to talk about this. I think we have two different difference uh, differences of opinion. What do you think now that the CBA signed? Uh, what do you think this does to uh, to Christian Pavone and the LA Galaxy? Well, yeah, I mean, my opinion is right and yours is wrong. But Correct. Basically, my yeah, my opinion is um, that I think the Galaxy are getting tired of this. It's, it's drug out too long. Um, they keep going over, from what I understand, the same territory. They're not making any progress on this thing. I think the Galaxy want this to be done sooner rather than later. They want Pavone here for the start of camp uh, with a new coach. They don't want to wait until two or three weeks into camp. We've seen that in the past where they brought players in, and the players never, never, ever catch up. So I think they want this done sooner rather than later. I think the Galaxy are losing their patience, and and I think it's not going to drag on much longer. The Galaxy are going to cut bait and move on and sign somebody else if they can't get this done shortly. And I say that there's no yeah incorrectly uh i say incorrectly that there's no impetus the the fact that he already played with his team he already knows everybody does not mean that it has to be done quickly um the galaxy seem to be just weighing their options now i i think the galaxy are going to be under the pressure now that now that the cba is signed they're going to go out and sign players and if they go out and sign players that eventually they're going to have to try to either fill that that uh, that designated player spot, or as one of the rumors says, uh, you know, they're waiting for Sergio Aguero, uh, Kevin, and that's not going to happen until summer. And they're just going to leave the DP spot open. Think about all the teams who have loaned out players, um, during this time and won't be back until basically June 30th. And, and whenever those teams are, are done with their seasons in June, because the first quarter or first half of this MLS season, whatever it ends up being, isn't as important really, I think to owners, to players, to everybody else. I think everybody's sort of getting settled. So I wouldn't be surprised if they wait until June to sign 
Christian Pavone, which would be really frustrating for a lot of people. I'm sure people threw things at the radio phone. Radio. People don't listen to the radio anymore. That was cute. <laughs> I and, have a radio. <laughs> and and by the way, if we, we couldn't be on the radio because we're not on a radio station, that doesn't even make any sense anyway. That just, play that. Play that. Uh, <laughs> or, or did you Welcome want to Panda and Pato's morning zoo? Pato, 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 and Panda, Panda. in the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. There we go. Just, just. Well, get- you, you make a couple of really good points there. One is waiting till the summer if they're going to get a player like Sergio Aguero, keeping that designated player spot open. And I think you'll see a lot of teams do that. For one thing. The season starts in April. It doesn't start in March or February. Right. So when they get to the summer transfer window, uh, it's not that far away. They haven't played that many games. A player can come in and still play two-thirds of the season if he comes in in the summer transfer window, if they get him at the start. Second thing is, if they bring that guy in in June or July, that's when all of the international dates start hitting with Gold Cup and some of these other tournaments. That's when guys are going to start going away. So you play with a roster up until June – then you you fortify that roster to make up for the players that are going to be going away. I think it's a great strategy if if they can do that and they save some money because that DP contract is now prorated. Yeah, it is, and uh, you know I just don't think fans have that patience. We we've talked about this. They have twenty three players on the first team roster. They can loan some people down. They can move some. We know Didi Traore is somebody that they're trying to loan. Um, so we talked about that, um, you know, on Thursday's show and why that seems like it might be a good move for the galaxy and, and why DD Charrier may or may not come back sort of depends on how he plays and how that goes because there's other people developing at the Academy. So there's, there's ways to move things around, but we know the LA galaxy don't have a starting lineup. We know that they're missing several positions, right wing, left wing, possibly a central attacking midfielder as well. Uh, we told you that the LA galaxy have many central attacking midfielders on their list of people that they may go after. I think the may time, like in terms of we may go after people now, Kevin is we're going after people because you still have to have a starting lineup and there's not one yet. And if the LA galaxy started their season with this roster, you'd have every right to ask for Dennis to job because this is not a competitive roster as we see it. But we've been saying that, and I don't expect there this to be that roster. Well, you know, left wing, right wing, chicken wing, whatever. Um, you make another good point in that now that the CBA is done, we uh, general managers know what money they have to spend. And I say that because last year when the CBA wasn't agreed to until February, I remember talking to some general managers and they were saying, we have some deals we want to make, but what we don't want to do is commit money uh, – to our salary cap and then have the salary cap move. We don't know what it is yet. It hadn't We don't have an agreement. Now they have an agreement. And, and I think there could be some interesting uh, um, things to look at with the timing of Cincinnati signings, which happened on Friday night um, when it looked like they're you know, we're moving very close to a CBA. And I think they had some ideas of what the structure was going to look like and how salary structure would change over the years. So I think that might've played a a part in, in Cincinnati moving when it did, but more to the point of what we're talking about here. Now, Dennis DeClosa knows how much money he has to spend. Can he get a contract that's backloaded because that's when the salary cap goes up down the road? Um, You know, I think you're absolutely right. I think he's probably been sitting on his hands a little bit, had some ideas of what he wanted to do. 
now he knows what the financial implications of those deals will be. And I think you're right. I think it, it could get real busy here over the next 10 days or so. Yeah. I mean, you know, give it, give it three weeks in the next 21 days, you're going to see a lot of movement and it may or may not happen all before, you know, uh, campus started. Uh, the, the fact that I think everybody in their brain is saying, well, this is the time that things need to happen because usually camp has already started by now, but everything got delayed at least a month. Um, so imagine those signings get delayed at least a month. And again, the, the transfer window is open till May. There's plenty of time for the galaxy and MLS teams to bring in, uh, players still. Um, one of the, the rumors that is out there is, is Hussein Balich. We talked about him playing for Lask in Austria. Hey, I, I didn't know, um, Eric knew this one. Do you know what they call the, the Austrian league, Kevin? Yes. The Bundesliga. Yeah. The other Bundesliga. It just cracks yeah. me up every time. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so, so the Austrian Bundesliga. So Lask played, uh, Austria Klagenfurt which is exactly how you say it, I'm sure. Um, and this was, I believe it was some sort of... Normal spelling on that. Yeah, yeah normal spelling. <laughs> That's right. Austrian, Austria Klagenfurt. Um, and so uh, I, I think this was a cup game of some sort because it went to extra time, basically, and Lask uh, ended up playing, Balich's team ended up playing and winning um, in this game. But uh, Balich scored in the 68th and 98th minute uh, and also had an assist on the fifth goal in the 110th minute. So two goals and one assist for the the possible LA Galaxy transfer target uh, for, for Balich. So something to sort of keep an eye on there. Uh, usually... Kevin, as as is sometimes the case, whenever a guy knows that he's been mentioned somewhere, that maybe he can go play somewhere, uh, the production up, sort of kicks up a little bit, right? It, it looks at it and says, okay, um, you know, if I play really well, they're going to want me. Um, and so maybe I'm going to play really well right now, and maybe they're going to want me. And so uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye sort of on on Balich and, and, and Lask, uh, my new favorite Bundesliga team. No, not that Bundesliga, the other. Do they have t-shirts that say, not that Bundesliga, the other Bundesliga? <laughs> Well, you know, I, have, I was just thinking about Cheap Trick and their song, I Want You to Want Me. Maybe that was the one we should play for these rumors from now on. We could, but then we'd have to, then we'd lose all our monetization options on, on YouTube. They're real sticklers about copyrights and stuff like that. So no, we're not going to do that. Um, anyway, so that's sort of where we sit for all of uh, the news that I had. Anything else you want to bring up, Kevin? No, uh, this was a long show. It was. I, I, I knew it would be only because I knew we'd ramble on for 30 minutes about the CBA. I mean, we took up half the show talking about collective bargaining agreement where we could have summarized it with saying, you know, players sort of got jobbed on this one and, and we could have moved right on and we could have moved right on because yeah. not a lot really changed. But there was some I hopefully you'll find some intricacies and some stuff that other people don't talk about um, in the numbers and things like that. And, and certainly we've been Kevin and I both been watching MLS for long enough. Uh, I think it gives us some perspective on what the CBA means uh, to the players. And certainly, uh, but, you know, seven years too. It, it don't lose fact of the Mac. Uh, you know, every other CBA was five years. This is seven years. It's a record really eight years. When you think that the, the, the structure for this was laid in 2020. So it's yeah. basically an eight year agreement. It, it's a long time. 32 years. The league will have been in operation by the time it is uh, the, the CBA expires again. So 32 years, as MLS says, without a work stoppage, but of course that could end next year. Uh, if, I mean, if they do it again, Think about things that happened in eight years. Not only did you have two kids, but eight years ago you didn't know me, and now you hate me. And see how that's happened—just a short period of time. It was, it was a short period of time, Kevin. It's always just a short period of time. All right, uh, let's see. If you're good and I'm good, 
then what we should do is we should get on out of here. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And of course, head on over to LATimes.com where you can find all of his stories. Subscribe to his newsletter as well. That's at KBaxter11, LATimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our written articles, all of our podcasts, everything that you want to know right there, our rumor tracker is there as well and we'll update it as soon as we have something all right for mr kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato guestman and you've been listening to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com have a great one everybody you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at galaxy podcast and be sure to check out and subscribe to itunes stitcher and facebook by searching for corner of the galaxy Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.